Good evening, everybody. Coming to you live from McLean, Virginia, near Washington, D.C. Uh, I have been invited as a guest and a speaker uh, to the Council of National Policy, CNP. And to my left, your right, is Congressman Bob McEwen, the president of CNP. Yep. Good to be with you, Rob. You too. Thank you for coming. And, and as you all know, uh, Congressman McEwen, Bob, has been an ongoing guest with us for many an occasion and has brought great encouragement and blessing to us. And uh, we have had the privilege tonight to listen to, to some amazing speakers. We have Senator Tom Cotton, who shared with everyone tonight, uh, especially in regards to the election, a number of other things. Uh, but what Bob and I want to do tonight is I wanted him to talk about what CNP does, what we're doing here. And we actually have uh, Vice President is going to be speaking to us. Mike Pence will be with us tomorrow night. Uh, we have the Secretary of State at lunch tomorrow. And uh, as you know, there have been a lot of changes that are taking place. And, and uh, General Keene, who you've often seen on Fox, a four-star general, talking about the strategic overview of what has happened in recent years. Uh, the United States has taken a, a real new leadership role in the world, and the world is much more stable and at peace than it has been in many a decade. So we're, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. So uh, trust me, you're going to want to stay tuned. We're not going to go long because we've got a busy day tomorrow. And I'm actually on the docket to speak. You, you've got me talking about uh, the church and what the future is for the church. And uh, that, that really hasn't been a topic for CNP that I know of, at least the times I've been involved. And you were instrumental in putting that together. And you invited me. And I'm really honored. Well, as you know, it, it, it's the very bedrock of our nation. We're just celebrating when the... Uh, Pilgrims came to America. They were heading to Virginia, which put, would have put them under British law. But by coincidence or any other term that one might like to use, in God's plan, they were blown off course, ended up at Plymouth, Massachusetts, where there was no law. And so, therefore, they decided to make the Mayflower Compact, the that birth of our nation. 400th anniversary was yesterday. Just yesterday, in which, to the glory of God, the furtherance of the Christian religion, we hereby and so that gave birth these people that were being chased around. That, that's what made America what it, what it was. And so in the First Amendment, it says that we have the right to gather and to assemble freely and to worship God. That, that's above everything else. And so we've never had a, a threat or, or a problem before. But what we've experienced in the last few months is an emergency, which anyone could absorb. That is, if, if there's a flood or something, you could close the church. And so in an emergency, we closed the churches for a couple of weeks. Then people discovered, well, this is handy. Why don't we just keep this up and uh, allow our religion and worship uh, to be taken from us? And yeah. what you have done and the inspiration you've been to pastors around the, the country, we wanted, as this is our only time together this year, the rest of this year, we wanted you to be here, Rob, and, and explain what you've done. And people on the, on the cast here are, are aware of it, but we want the entire nation to be aware of it as well. I have to tell you, they, they've been treating me like royalty. I've never had a car pick me up at the airport. That, 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 that's a first for me. But here was the coolest part. I got on the flight, American Airlines. Um, I, I'm in my seat. I've got my, my, my muzzle on. Uh, the only two times I wear a muzzle are on an airplane and when I have to go to court. Because uh, otherwise, <laughs> you can't fly and uh, they'll kick you out of court. But um, So I was wearing my mask and the attendant came up. Um, and I'm not going to say her name because I'll leave that up to her, but she attends our congregation and she was just so thrilled to see me and was so encouraging. And then the other attendants came up and treated me like I was a hero of sorts. And they said they tune in to our live stream. Uh, I fell asleep because I was real tired. I woke up just as we're getting ready to land. 
at Reagan International. And they, they came out with just the spread of all the things we've been waiting for you to wake up. We have all these things waiting for you. It was real sweet. Uh, yeah. And, and then to come here and then you introduced me to a number of amazing people um, and, and folks that I, I never would walk in the well, company of. Right, rightfully so, so that people would treat you that way because uh, the people that watch as Liz and I do and, and my sister-in-law, the member, members of the family watch the live stream, we take encouragement because of your biblical stand, your your experience in government, having been a mayor and elsewhere, but then your your understanding as to how America works. So between those those three things, we're extremely grateful. So we're, thank you much. This, it's okay. This is our our makeshift studio. <laughs> we are we're in the hotel here in McLean, and uh, we're doing the best we can with uh, we got a little light here and everything like that. So sorry about the phone ringing, but Liz is running. The, the, what is that switchboard? Yes. So now with all that we're up against, um, Bob, can you share with the folks that are, are, are tuning in? Can you share with them a little bit about how you see the lay of the land? Uh, having been a member of Congress, what, what is the direction that this controversy is going to go to? I mean, we, we heard today um, that the, what is it? The, the, Pencil, the Pennsylvania Secretary of State um, or not Secretary of State, but there was an order that was placed that the votes can't be counted that were brought in um, well, on election night. It, it, the, the laws are established in the states by the, the state legislatures. That is, we, we don't operate under a tyranny where people just make up these things as we're trying to submit to periodically. And so uh, the state legislature said that you could only vote up until a particular time, and then that's the end after election day. And the governor wanted, as part of this conspiracy or agreement from these key five states, that they, if they could change the laws and change the system so you could vote longer and count longer, that they could get a different result. And so here the law said in Pennsylvania that the, after election day is over, then that's the end. You can't vote anymore. And they, they said, well, I think we ought to count for, we ought to be able to vote for about three more days. Yeah. And they went to the Supreme Court of the state of Pennsylvania and said, why not? Which, which is, is which is dominated by a Democrats. The same political party as the Secretary of State and the governor. And so they said, together we're going to do this. Well, uh, so naturally people went to the court and said, you're violating the law. And the judge says, you can't do that. And so if the Supreme Court of the state doesn't enforce the law, then they have right and justification to go to the federal system. And so it will go to the federal system and we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully they'll consider it. And uh, there's a distinct possibility that that, California, that uh, Pennsylvania could be overturned. As you know, on election night, uh, the president of the United States was up by nearly 700,000, 640,000. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and here, you know, just with the tens of thousands of votes, and uh, so many of them are in, in question where you have a vote strictly for Vice President Biden and no undervote in the hundreds of thousands. Un unbelievable. And the, the idea that all of the, you know, you don't have to be partisan to understand this. You, you would not, why would all of the votes go in one direction? I mean, why is it that only those states that were on the bubble? Yeah. Florida didn't have a problem counting. Texas didn't have a problem. California didn't have a problem. You've got Ohio, Indiana. We counted no problem. Right next door, Pennsylvania is still counting to this day. Michigan is still discovering things. Why? Because those were the states. When you put those that were going to vote for Trump, those that were going to vote for Biden. Now, if you swing these three or four or five states, that's where they put their effort. 
And that's where the, the games were played. And that's why uh, all of them, as they go day after day, to suddenly find more and more ballots. So it's a question that, that we need to resolve. And then we also have a recount, uh, hand count happening in Georgia, which is interesting because uh, that one's real tight. And uh, a, a number of discrepancies and concerns over the validity of some of these ballots. So that's, that's in play right now as well. Is that correct? And this is, as you know, uh, a spirit, everything in life is either physical or spiritual. And as I've said, the most important thing that is the ability, which is wisdom, the capacity to tell the difference between physical and spiritual. Leadership, leadership, anybody who thinks that leadership is physical, that's the drill sergeant that screams, give me 25 more, stand up, do that. And he thinks that's not leadership. A, a mother that screams at the child because I said so. And you're going to do it because I'm the mother. That's the way it's going to do. That's, that's not leadership. Leadership is spiritual, where people are committed to a cause and doing things. And, and that's what leadership is all about, is inspiring in, in the spiritual in a in esprit de corps, the spirit of the core, in, in a military group, in a business group, in, in, a, in, a, uh, any kind, in a football team, or in a nation. Yeah. And this nation is experiencing genuine spiritual battle yeah. as to uh, the, the entire world is watching. Uh, it takes a sense of security and confidence when America knows what it's doing. When America loses its footing, they lose their footing. And then they run to see where they can go hide. We, for, and just as an aside, America has not always been the, the leader of the world. In fact, it's only been since 1947. But for the 450 years prior to that, it was the British. And uh, they made all of the major decisions. And But they failed in the 1930s to do that. And the world began to fall apart. Hitler had his had his heyday. The world was ended at World War II. And after that, the leadership was thrust upon a nation that didn't seek it and didn't ask for it and, and has done quite well. Every other nation before that wanted to be the world leader. America didn't. But because of the righteousness of our cause, people have wanted to decide with us. Now, that's a responsibility that you and I yeah. have a responsibility to maintain, because if we don't do it, then uh, other people don't know where to go. You know, the, the very first presidential election I participated in was for Ronald Reagan. And you had the privilege to serve with President Reagan uh, when you were a congressman. And you told a story which was fascinating to me. And this, this uh, totally illustrates your, your description of leadership. And I remember Jimmy Carter. I remember him coming on the television in the middle of what we would consider an oil crisis. The, the gas stations were shut. If your license plate was even, you got to buy gas on an even day. If it was ended in an odd number, you could buy gas on an odd day. And uh, the, the president would come on, President Carter, and the nation was just in double digit inflation. We had interest rates that were through the roof. It was awful. And he comes on and he says that we're, we're to turn down our thermostats and put our sweaters on. And it just seemed like it's similar to what Vice President Biden was saying, that it was going to be a dark winter. And he was he was putting forward just this misery and the American people were tiring of it. And then all of a sudden you, you shared a story that encapsulated what I felt as a young boy, um, a young man, actually, when when Reagan took office. Now, I didn't vote for him the first time around because I was too young, but I voted for him the second time around. Can you share with everybody that story about when you had to travel from Ohio to Washington, D.C.? And do you remember that? Yes. Yes. And in fact, uh, I was elected uh, in November. And uh, of what year? So everyone knows. Uh, 1980, uh, the same night as, as, uh, as President Reagan was elected. And one of the things we said was, as you, anybody knows, oil is not we haven't invented it. 
it's either here or it's not. And it's just a matter of whether or not you can take it out of the ground. And they said, we we're going to run out, you learn to live with less, ride your bicycle, wear your sweater, America's coming to an end next Tuesday of the week. And if you don't know how to fix something, then you're always afraid. And the left is always afraid. They don't know how to create wealth. They don't know how to, how to do these things. So they're always scarred. They're, you have to save what you have. They conserve and, and just live on these little crackers because we don't know how to plant more corn. We don't know how to plant more wheat or make bread. So we just got to live on what we have here. So they're always afraid and they're always selling their stories. And so uh, Ronald Reagan came in. And, uh, and, and also and, the, the hostage crisis was at the same time. And, and they, they had taken over, overtaken our embassy. And what had happened was that in, in Iran, uh, they had overrun the embassy. And, and Jimmy Carter, if you read his, his uh, autobiography, he would tell how his goal in life was to end his presidency without any soldiers being killed in combat. Hmm. And so he was going to make any surrender that was necessary. And so they came in and ripped the place apart and, and just had a great old time. But, but he, they were told they weren't just allowed to shoot them. And so they said, well, this is more fun. So they, uh, two weeks later, they came back with a bigger crowd this time. And they came in and they not only tore everything up, but they took the, the people that were working there, the ambassador and the others, and they tied them up and they kept them as hostages. And they, they were going to make various demands because America didn't have any leadership. It wasn't, they, they didn't fear it. And so you had that going on. Uh, the president said that we, we were running out of oil and you couldn't drill anymore and it's all going to be gone. And so as, as Liz and I, uh, we got elected in November, you have to come to Washington in order to hire staff. You have to get a place to stay, do those kind of things. So we drove back and forth uh, six times between, between November and January when we were sworn into office. And, every, and I knew, uh, driving, it's about a seven-hour trip. I, I knew that if we didn't have a full tank of gas by 4 o'clock in the afternoon, that between Washington and Cincinnati, Hillsboro, Ohio, there were, there were no filling stations open. They were closed. Yeah. They, 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 they only got so much gasoline, so they would open at their convenience. They'd be open for two or three hours, then close, and that was it. Because it, no point in staying open. You, 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 they could have sold all their gas in, in one day, but they couldn't get any more. The, the market didn't work. Right. And so we, we knew that. And so then uh, Ronald Reagan came in. He took all the regulations of the Democrats. As I say, he took all those regulations, threw them in the Potomac, uh, killed the fish and freed the country. And, <laughs> and people began to drill and, 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 and drilling and oil production began to triple, treble three times yeah. uh, in just 1981 alone. And uh, then Liz and I drove home for Christmas. Or, I mean, pardon me, for, for Easter. So the first of April. And uh, she's asleep on the front seat. And we're driving up. We live in Hillsboro. It's on a hill. And we're driving up the hill, and there at the intersection of High Street, there are three filling stations. And 11 o'clock at night, all three of them were open. And I told her to, I, I woke her up, I said, now look, had we not won, those filling stations would continue to be closed. They had been closed for well over a year, nearly two years. So leadership makes a difference. Decisions make a difference. Right now, gasoline is lower than it's ever been in any of our lifetimes in real terms. It takes less time and energy to, to produce income for one gallon of gasoline than ever in American history. So we have plenty of gasoline. We're the number one producer. The first time in 75 years, we haven't in, to import a single drop of oil. We have enough to do ours, plus apply everybody else. We have the largest reserves of natural gas in the entire plant. There's no reason for us to be short. But you heard these folks say that on day one, if they become president and Biden, one of the first things he's going to do is stop the production of oil. He'll put us right back in the slammer where we're. You'll see gas prices begin to climb. They can foul up a two-car funeral, and they do it consistently. They take the heavenly state of California. And they've made the chaos to the point when you look at the signs, if you look on the signs on the highway, and because I was on the Highway Safety Committee, so I, I noticed these things. 
and, and you see that the signs in California are all faded and worn yeah, and all the highways are falling apart when it was always the best. So you go to Wyoming, go other places. It, there, it's just the kind of leaders that, that we select. That's the key. And we're, we're noticing now, too, it seems uh, that the draconian measures of these Democrat run states similar to California, even Michigan. And now we're seeing New York that they're doubling down and they're going even heavier coming into the Thanksgiving uh, holiday. They're, they're getting ready to completely lock down their state and demand that three families can't be in the same house. The rules and regulations being put forward by our governor are awful. And the tyrannical move of, of these, these state government officials for a virus that we're, we're watching, yes, cases may be increasing, but the death rate hasn't increased, hospitalizations haven't increased, especially in our own county. And yet th this is what they're doing. And, it, and our, our economy is being devastated. And you have Vice President Biden, and I refuse to call him Vice President or President-elect because he's not, can't he can't be. And he can do what office of the vice president-elect. I mean, what is that? I mean, come on, you're wishing for something, you're going to be let down. But here he's stating to the American people, he's going to lock us down, full masks all the way through. Um, this, this is going to be devastating. This is leadership. This is the way they're going to govern the state is to treat all of you with impunity and to take away your God-given rights. And Government control. It's a desire of a man outside of Christ to control and, and to have his own way and to manipulate. It's when people come to know the Lord that their hearts change and they're warm and open towards people. That's what America has always been. My daughter was in the middle of Africa. We went to visit her. We're out in the middle where the roads didn't go any further. We walked down a path. We run across these folks that are scared to death to see white people, these little children with little, little plastic bags asking where they were going so they're going to the to the fountain and i said well can i see the fountain so we get to the fountain and there is the only white only uh, clear water the only pure water that they can drink they're all putting their underneath there and then taking it back to their huts wherever they were in, in the jungle and uh, and they said above it it said this fountain a gift of the people of the united states of america that, that's what america has been to the world and now we see those who want to fundamentally change America. You, you saw Schumer today. He's going to take Georgia, and then he's going to change America. Uh, and the world. He said, and we're going to take the, the world. world. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, those of us that love this country and those of us that have, have watched people crawl over cut glass and barbed wire and float over leaky ships to get here, uh, we're distressed at people voting for those who promise to fundamentally change America. And I, and I think of Governor Newsom, I think, why in the world would people vote to do that to such a great state? So it's, it's hard for me to grasp, personally. Well, uh, and one good sign in California is that we've had uh, some seats turn for the Congress. Uh, we, we've watched Young Kim take the seat. We have Steele taking a seat. It looks like Garcia's going to take his seat. Uh, Valadeo still in the running. I mean, there's a number of seats that the Democrats weren't considering losing. It's going to bring that number of the House within, what, five seats? Yes, I believe it is. And uh, young Kim, of course, uh, literally, she was here for the orientation that takes place this week, which is two weeks after the election, and only two years ago. And they said, no, we, we found these new ballots. Yeah. And Isn't they, it funny, though, when they find new ballots? It always goes one way. Always goes one way for the yeah, Democrats. They say, lo and behold, the Republicans are going to win now. 
And, but the idea that you could show, throw these live ballots out is called ma the mailing and then mail them back in. Everyone should understand the difference. Voting absentee says, here I am. This is where I live. This is my name. This is my signature. Will you please send a ballot to me at this place? And, and they, they then do that. And of course, that's fine. When you take live ballots and just send them out by the million so that they're laying in stacks at bus stops and in empty apartment buildings and elsewhere. And if you know that all I need to do is scoop those up and send them in, there's no name on them. Therefore, they're free and clear. That, that, that idea, that mail-in ballot, is what gave the folks in Sacramento complete control of the state and taking it off the, off the edge. Now, the Speaker of the House is from San Francisco. Yep. She introduced a bill when she took control two years ago to do that, passed the House, didn't pass the Senate. They are committed, that's Biden, Schumer, and Pelosi, are committed to doing what has happened in Southern California, where they can take these seats, to doing it for the entire country. Today, in one of our meetings, we observed that of all the nations on earth, we talk about the Philippines, or we want to talk about Zimbabwe, or if we want to talk about Cameroon, there is no nation on earth that takes live ballots, throws them out on the countryside, and says, fill them out, bring them in if you want, and we'll, we'll count them anytime you want. Only the United States of America in these in this election has has the left have the Democrats chosen this idea in order to elect their president. Yeah, as I was, uh, I went to the airport this morning. I had to show my ID to get through the guard. I went up to TSA, had to show my ID again. Uh, as I went to the plane, I had to show my ticket, which was confirmed by my physical ID. Um, when I was picked up, I had to show an ID. When I got to the hotel, I had to show a photo ID. And uh, uh, all the things we need to show an ID for, but the one is that we don't have to show a photo ID for uh, a ballot. But of all the things I just described, uh, voting is the one that's protected by the Constitution. And, and that's the one that's the most critical. And, and honestly, Absolutely. you take away the photo ID for all the other things. Those aren't as critical to me as the protection of this constitutional republic. And, and if we don't have a free and fair election, we've got a mess on our hands. So this is bigger than so many other things in our lifetime. I mean, can you think of anything historically that even even equals what we're up against? Neither uh, did the people in Israel or the people in the Middle East. Yeah. They're very, very concerned about it. And so the Secretary of State in Pennsylvania said, you can, cannot check. And so when people walked up in Pennsylvania to vote and people present their ID, they would tell them, we don't need that. We don't need that. So the, in, in Ohio, uh, you had to sign a signature and they have, a, they have a copy of the signature originally there and you hand it to them and then they make the comparison themselves as to whether or not you can go to the next step. Then they ask for your ID and elsewhere. So that's the way most of them have operated. And as a consequence, uh, we've been able to have a secure form of government. But this idea recently where, where and they knew what they were doing and what states they were doing it. And, and we, we need to pray and continue to labor because we believe that it, it uh, we're not we're not surrendering. Right. And, and, and have you had any updates or heard from anyone in regards to the Dominion software, the Dominion voting system? Yeah. Uh, have you had updates from maybe the. The president or the vice president or any of the staff as to what they're looking at there well i i, I we did that uh, at our last meeting in fact and uh, we brought in the director of homeland security and we tried to explain to them the complication 
the folks that, that are operating that that's chosen by the secretaries of states and the individual states, they have been told. I remember they're politicians. So they have to rely upon their, their technical advisors. The technical advisors told them that it was secure, it had backup systems, and it was not connected to the internet. All three of those things are false. Uh, it goes to a server that's in Barcelona, Spain. Uh, the software is, and storage is maintained in Germany. Uh, therefore, I had prepared a, an executive order. We tried to get the president to sign in, in order to say that our storage could not be outside the borders of the United States. The Department of Homeland Security said, and the FBI said, we have no problem. So it, it's, uh, it's been a revelation. What we are experiencing right now can be very, very good for America because this has been inching out as it, as it took California some years ago. And we've seen most of the West Coast taken out of our hands through false balloting, certainly in Washington state where they had to recount and always their side always won till now yeah. it's, it's no longer within reach. Now people are awake. Uh, I, you worked so diligently the last three weeks, Rob, and I got the, the updates on people at the, at the rallies and at the president spoke at, it, it varied from 20 to 35% of the people that attended those rallies, 20, yeah. 30,000 people stood in line for three hours did not vote did, in yeah. 2016. So these are people who have come off the bench for the first time and say, I see what difference it makes from, from having gasoline at $4 a gallon to having it to where it's unlimited 24 hours a day at less than $2, to where we don't have to send money to our enemies. When we're not involved in wars, we have no intention of winning. I think I like this sort of thing. And they got involved for the first time to vote for the president, put their signs on their pickup trucks and elsewhere. And now they see what's happening in Chicago, in, in Detroit, and in Milwaukee, and in and just the major cities where they've stolen it in Philadelphia and Atlanta. And so I, I think that they that they have a, may have awakened a sleeping giant. I sure hope so. I, I would also add that the president got 10 million more votes than he did his first run for office. And President Obama, when he had his second run for office, actually got less votes than he did the first time around. So the, the, the president gets an enormous uh, 10 million more votes and he loses to a man that's been in his basement and comes out now and then to have some car headlights shine on him and wave and say something in an audible and then go back into his. Yeah, I, I don't. It's beneficial for, for people to see that people, yeah. people can, can be aware that on election night he was ahead in all those states and then little by little. And they shut it down and then recalibrated. Now, it. there is the point. Why would you shut down? Everybody knows this is the most important election in any of our lifetimes. The whole world is watching. Why would Philadelphia shut down balloting, counting at midnight uh, in, in, in the state that is on the bubble? Let me explain. It's very simple. I'll just tell you one of my predecessors here at the Council for National Policy. He was going to be the first Republican ever elected from the state of Louisiana. He was overwhelmingly supported. He had a, an uprising that people were just ecstatic about. On election night, he won by over 100,000 votes. And so they announced that, lo and behold, there was a glitch in the system in New Orleans. And it took him a couple of days to fix it. When I found out that he had won by over 100,000 votes, he then uh, they submitted 105,000. And so the, that... Uh, and that the, the woman, Mary, Mary, um, uh, I guess, Landry. Mary Landrew. Landry. So Mary Landrew was elected to the U.S. Senate by the 5,000 votes that her brother, who was mayor of the city, uh, over, oversaw. Now, that, that, that's the way that you do it. So when you're up by 640,000 votes at, at uh, 11 o'clock at night in Pennsylvania, as you were last Tuesday, and you're up by that number, then how do you, what are you going to do about it? Well, you got to stop counting because uh, if you turn in all your numbers, then you're in trouble. So you just stop and go home 
until you find out that all the rural areas and all the safe places, all the honest people have all reported, okay, now there's the number we have to beat, 640,000. So here we go. And that's, that's what they did. Now, the, the thing that has brought us to this place where it's being exposed is, I, I don't believe the Democrat, they, they were told by their pollsters that this was going to be a, a blue wave. And I don't think they were prepared for the overage of 10 million new voters for President Trump. And they were kind of taken aback. I mean, that was a lot of work to do when you shut down at midnight. You're going to come up with a ton of votes to override that. And that's why, you know, what, 180,000 votes, uh, not one of them goes to, to President Trump and all of them go for Biden. And then it's Biden with no down ballot. They, they worked overtime to put that together. And like I say, you have to be blind, deaf, and dumb not, not to be able to see it. Had, had, had the Republicans been able to have a little more vision, uh, I believe they could have taken control of the Senate, but now we're to control of the House. Yeah. They're going to miss it by five or six votes. I think they could, they could have gotten it. Uh, and yet all of the reporters and the correlation between the media and the pollsters uh, to, and the Democrat Party to lead people to believe, and whenever the left is up to something, they'll tell you, they'll accuse you of it. Yeah, yeah. And so when they're being <laughs> racist, when they're judging people, not because of what they did, but basically on the color of their skin, and so they'll keep, they'll accuse you of that. I'll and so when it comes to the idea of voter suppression, uh, they don't want you to vote. That's their center of focus. So how do you do that? You go to Wisconsin, where, where, where Donald Trump is about to win, and you get them to, to print on ABC News and the reporters, the front page of the paper on Sunday of the whole weekend, how that he's behind by 17 points. Well, that's going to discourage some people. What's the point in me going if he doesn't even have a chance? 17 points. Well, we find out election night he actually won, and it took him three or four days to now say that, that he's behind by 10,000, which many of us don't believe that's the case. But that, that they they needed to encourage people to not vote because had had we been able to, to turn out to the folks the way that we, we had focused on that, I believe we could take it in the House and the Senate yeah, as well. Agreed. Uh, real quick, and we'll, we'll bring the, the program to a close. You understand the rules of the House. So let's say there's a dispute. Um, you got 72 million uh, Americans who are discontented with the vote as it stands, and I, they would say 75% of them are very dissatisfied. And you're looking at it, it's coming down to contention and it's gonna be resolved uh, and that it has to go to the courts. Um, and let's say this, you know, you, you have the press trying to coordinate uh, Vice President Biden. Everyone's saying that you need to just yield, you need to, uh, you know, just concede, but he's not conceding so what's going to happen if we get to this loggerhead? What's that look like in the history of the country? Is there anything historical that we can, we can take a look at as to what we may be facing? Have you thought about that, Bob? Well, uh, the, la the last time, it, it's up to the, to the Electoral College. And it's important to remember that, uh, that a democracy is mob rule. Mm -hmm. And so our, our founders didn't want mob rule at all. And so what they established a republic and said, there's some things that are just off the table. I don't care how you vote. You don't, you can't change this. For example, one of them would be life. You can vote 95 to five, but you can't undo it. So some things that are off the table, which makes it a republic. And then we have in between the people and, and the government, various institutions that will protect it in case there, there's an upheaval. And one of those institutions was, was the electoral college. And therefore, 
the electoral college shall choose the president. And the, the manner in which the electoral college is selected shall be done by the various state legislatures. And for most of our history, the legislatures chose the electors and the electors voted. And then they, uh, during the, the progressive movement, they wanted to go more and more towards primaries and then more and more towards elections. And then the elections would be for the, each state could choose its own electors. So the, the, the last time that the electors could not reach the, the, the majority was in 1804. And what happens if they don't get to at least 50%, uh, which is a key and vital thing for our country. If we didn't have the Electoral College and whoever got the most votes, we saw in California what yeah. happened there and 200 people and the movie star won. And, and the, so that's the way the whole country would yeah. operate. And we didn't want that to happen. No. So Electoral College gives you 50%. And if they can't reach 50%, then it goes to the House of Representatives. And the House of Representatives votes on each one of the 50 states gets one vote. And so that delegation votes as to who they want and whoever they support, then they, whoever gets the 26 votes becomes the president. So of the 50 states in the union, how many uh, of those states have a majority of Republican Congress members, which would uh, obviously uh, dictate the way they vote? So the current, current Congress is 26 to 24. Uh, the, the next Congress has not been determined yet. There are still 34 seats that are, that are empty. But, uh, and so we don't know how that, how that would turn out. But it's, as I repeat, it hasn't happened since Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Well, so we've got more to cover. I'll be here tomorrow night as well. I have the chance to hear Vice President uh, Pence speak, and I'm excited about that. And then I get to speak tomorrow. So I'd appreciate your prayers, everybody. And you have had the great privilege and honor tonight to be with a man who I consider to be, well, he's one of my heroes, Bob McEwen. And uh, a lot of you already know this. I've told you this in the past. You, you hear me say things, but the truth of it is, um, it's just being said from another voice because it was stolen from this no. man right here and good preachers borrow and great preachers steal. And I'm, I'm not a great preacher. So I'm confessing that I, I got it from him. But everybody watching agrees with me that you're a blessing to this country and we're grateful for your friendship <laughs> and leadership. Wow. You bless me. Well, folks, uh, I'm sorry. You're wearing a tie. Oh, I am. And Liz said I'm wearing a tie. Yeah. I'm wearing a tie. Look at that. Yeah, it's very rare. So uh, we're going to we're going to sign off tonight. I'll be with you again tomorrow night. Make sure. And, and Mike is going to post it up there. A couple of sites where you can go to get up to the uh, up to date uh, things happening in relation to the election. Turn, turn off. Turn off all news. Me. I mean, it's just a waste of time. Turn off all the network news. And, and you know, we've got sites for you listed that you can go to and get up up to date data that's not being censored and all the other junk that they're doing. So you can take a look at that and it's, it'll help you, it'll encourage you. Uh, this isn't over. Uh, keep the faith. The, the folks I'm with, they're just as excited. Everyone's working hard. Uh, this is America. We're not finished. We're going to keep keep working hard. Poor George Washington was out on the field eight and a half years in order for our country to be born. It takes it took great effort. We can, we can do this. Yeah. Yeah. Eight and a half years. That's crazy. Yeah. That's a long time, but, but very few victories. Yeah. You lost battle after battle after battle. Yeah. And, and no money. And uh, every, everything that could go wrong would. A third of the people wanted him defeated. Little girls would come around and, and pretend like they were selling food to the troops when they were actually keeping track of that, how much ammunition they had and go report back to the enemy. That's the circumstance in which our nation was born. Mm -hmm. we, are, we are not that strong, but we're strong enough to be able to do this. Yeah. Yeah, we can do this, folks. Hold fast. Strength and honor. Uh, I wanted to read to you the blessing out of number six. So I'm not sure how we're going to do that. Oh, there it is. Perfect. Popped up on the screen for me. 
So this is for all of you tonight. May God bless you. So here we go. Number six, the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so thanks for joining us all the way from McLean, Virginia. It's kind of cool. It's late here, so we're going to bed. But God bless you guys. I'll see you tomorrow night. And be sure, uh, do you tell them your social media connection stuff. Where, where, how do they reach you? Do you have Instagram? you do Twitter? What do you do? Anything? I'll have that tomorrow. You'll have that tomorrow. He's like me. He's a Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow night.